seeing young people get up and sing for the Lord. That's a blessing. All right. Uh, open your Bibles, if you would, to James chapter 1 and 2 Peter chapter 1. James chapter 1 and 2 Peter chapter 1. If you want to join me in standing for a little bit, someone one time asked me, why do you ask people to stand when you read the Word of God? And I said, misery loves company. I'm just kidding. That, we, uh, we do that to honor the reading of the Word of God because uh, this is not just a book written by men. Uh, James chapter number 1 in one hand and 2 Peter chapter 1 in the other. James chapter 1 in one hand and 2 Peter chapter 1 in the other. James chapter 1, starting... In verse number one, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Now, right away, that should tell you that from a doctrinal perspective, some of the things that you're going to read in the book of James may not directly apply to the local New Testament church. However, there are practical lessons all throughout the book of James. Here's one you'll find in chapter three about the tongue. How about that? Uh, there's uh, practical lessons in James about uh, having partiality within the church and loving someone that has money versus not loving someone that does not have money and so on and so on. There's all kinds of things in the book of James that we can learn from. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number two. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse, that's different kinds of temptations, all right? Not necessarily temptation in regards to sin, but more so a trial or a testing. That's how the Bible sometimes uses the word tempt. The Bible says of God over in the book of Genesis that God tempted Abraham, and that does not mean that God tried to get Abraham to do something wicked. It means that he tried or he tested Abraham. We know that because in this very book, in the book of James, it says that no man can be tempted of God because God tempts no man with evil, right? So that said, it's a trying of our patience or our faith, if you will. Look at verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh what? Now look at verse 4. But let what? Have, what's the next word? Her. Her, not his. Can I get an amen, ladies? Amen. Yeah, I mean, us guys struggle with patience. I mean, we just do. Uh, and, and, and some of you ladies may go, well, I struggle with it too. I think the Lord put her, and you go, well, that's because of the language in Greek. The word for patience was a feminine word. Maybe, but let me just say this as well. I am thankful for moms because they exhibit so much patience. Mom, mom. Mom, he's touching me. I didn't touch him. I just went like this, right? I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not anybody ever been, moms, you ever been there before? I am thankful for the patience of moms. The Bible says, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In other words, you'd be mature and complete in your walk as a believer if you could learn to apply more patience in your life. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. You know, when you get saved, that's just the beginning of your life. I mean it. Like, that's a new start at life. It's, it's, it's a new, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You've got this new life. That's why Jesus refers to it as being born again. And sometimes when someone gets saved, we kind of present it as, all right, you did it, you're saved, like that's it. No, that's the beginning of a new life. There's so much more after that. 
that God wants to do in your life. And some of it goes back to some of the things we're going to read about here in verse number 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, 2 Peter 1, 5, add to your faith. Now, when it comes to your salvation, there's nothing to add. It's Jesus Christ plus nothing. All right? The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be what? Faith. Right? It doesn't say join a church or anything else. Believe on Him. However, after you're saved, there's some things you need to add to your Christian life. Uh, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, having some balance in life. And to temperance, do you notice you can't get to godliness without going through patience? Look, if you would, at verse number 8, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. And I'm uh, going to ask Brother Tim if you would open a seven word of prayer, sir. Please. Amen. Be seated if you would. You guys ever, uh, this happens to me sometimes, speaking of patience. Uh, sometimes I'll go to the grocery store and my wife will send me a list of things that she wants me to get. And, uh, and, and you guys ever try to help your wife out and go to the store and pick up anybody? Any of you guys? Come on, raise it. Let your hand be a test. Thank you. Thank you very much. You try to go out and try to, you know, I can do this. I can buy groceries and I can clean the baby's diaper, and I can burp the baby, and I can bathe the baby, you know, and I can, I can feed the kids, you know, <laughs> cereal, <laughs> and I can do stuff, right? And, and so I go to the store and um, get everything that's on the list. I mean, I check it twice. I'm like Santa Claus. I look over that thing, and I, I go, yep, I got it. I got this. I got this. I got all the, all the items. I check them off. I'm in the grocery store aisle checking out bagging the last bag, which, by the way, bags, what are those in Colorado anymore, right? <laughs> getting my bags, right? I'm getting, getting, the, getting everything taken care of. And, and as I put the last bag into the cart and I'm starting to push away from that checkout aisle, I get another text. And the text goes, oh, hon, if you're not too far, if you're, if you're still at the store, you can't lie. <laughs> you're at the store, gentlemen. If you're still at the store, can you get this, right? Anybody ever been there before? All right. All the guys are scared to raise their hands except for Eric. He's like, right here. I did it. Uh, so it's almost like the Lord said, hey, I know you think you're done. And now that you're saved, it's all good. But there's some things you need to add. Let's add this to the list. And, and patience is one of those things that <laughs> I would say in our society no one has time for patience. Or as someone once eloquently said, ain't nobody got time for that. You say what? Patience. 
You say, why? We're busy. You know the Bible says in the book of Daniel? The Bible says in the book of Daniel, prophesying about the end times, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Talking about the, the day and age in which we live where everyone's busy doing... You ever talk to someone, how you doing? Busy, right? Or everybody's busy. How you been? Oh, so busy, you know? And, and what's going on? Oh, we're just so busy. Everyone's so busy, and we're so busy doing stuff and going here and going there. We don't have time for anything to slow down. We gotta go. Let's go, let's go, let's go. You ever, ever find yourself on the way to church where your heart should be getting ready for the Word of God? Come on, kids, get in the car. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Mom, I don't have a shoe on. That's your fault. Right? Like we're just, we're constantly in go mode. And we don't have time for patience. But you need to add it to your life. I read this, patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet. Sir Edmund Burke said, our patience will achieve more than our force. (laughs) Of all people, Elizabeth Taylor said, it's very strange that the years teach us patience that the shorter our time is, the greater our capacity for waiting is. You ever been on the highway behind someone, they're in the left lane going 55 in a 75, and you're not praying to Jesus at all. You're like, blankety blank, get that, no, 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 no. And you're going, this idiot, this morning, and a zip by in the right lane. You know what you do? I got some guilty faces right now. I'm looking at you. Some smiling, like, oh, yeah, that's me. And you go in the right lane, and you're going to do the, the slow stairs. You pass them. And then you realize it's like an 80-year-old grandma. You're like, I'm a terrible person. (laughs) Am I right? Right? You you, you say, what is that? They realized after all the years of hurrying and going, that eventually all it did is it got them old. (laughs) Did you clean your room? Mom asked the child. Oh, huh. I forgot. <laughs> you better pray for patience, Mom. <laughs> you ever notice they never forget if you promise them to take them to Disney World in five years? <laughs> are we going to Disney? When are we going to Disney? You said we go to... That's five years from now. Moms, you better, you better apply some patience. Moms, you ever hear this? How come he gets to? <laughs> right? How come she gets to? Or how about this one? Why do I have to? Moms, how about this one? Who did this? Who left this mess? Not me. When I find not me, I'm going to beat his butt. I've never met not me, but I know he's here causing a mess, right? Moms, how about this? But I don't want to eat it. Oh. Patience, right? One time... The Lord's talking about forgiveness, and Peter has this great idea. He goes, Lord, I, I kind of want, I, Peter's maybe going to try to play accountant for a moment. I want to know, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? Let's say someone comes to me seven times a day, and they mess up, and seven times a day, they ask for my forgiveness. Do I have to do that, Lord? And the Lord's like, seven? Oh, you said seven. Let's take that time, 70. And then he goes on, and, and Peter regrets asking certain questions, I'm sure. And this is one of those moments. He goes on to tell a story. And in that story, he tells a parable of the kingdom of heaven. Here's what he says about it. He says, a certain man owed 10,000 talents to a king. And that king went to that man and said, hey, you've got this debt. If you don't pay it, I'm going to cast you into prison. And you know what that man did? That man fell on his face and he said, have mercy on me. Take patience with me. 
And then that same man got up from that, and that king restored him. That, that king allowed him. He forgave him that great debt. He had patience with that man. You know what that man did? He turned around to someone that owed him a couple bucks. And he goes, hey, man, you owe me this money or else. And you know what that guy did? The same exact thing that he did. He fell down on his face. He said, man, have patience with me, if you will. I will pay that. You know what that man did? The man that originally was given patience and forgiveness, he turns to the man that owes him a couple bucks after being forgiven of millions of dollars in our, in our economy. And he turns to that man and he says, you know what? I don't want to hear it. Off to jail with you. You say, what does that teach you? We want patience from others we don't always like to give it am i right or am i wrong when you're going through something you're like man just just bear with me a little bit have some have some patience with me and when someone else is doing you wrong or someone else isn't aligning with what you think is right or your timeline or your expectations it's like you know what off with your head you know what the problem is you want it but you don't want to give it You know, you cannot talk about the mercy of God and God's dealings with mankind without considering something. God is an eternal being. He is the high and lofty one that, as it says in Isaiah, inhabiteth eternity. Eternity has no time, and yet here we are on Sunday morning, May 14th, at a certain time, and we clock everything. We are confined to time. Time is always moving forward, and we are constantly running out of time. And because of that, we're always going, next thing, next thing, next thing. And it's hard for us to want to slow down. You can't think about the mercy of God without considering that God is in eternity, and yet he comes down and dips himself into mankind and humbles himself to dwell in time. And he gives people, and he gives you, and he gives you, and he gives you more time. And he's patient with you. And he gives you space and time to repent. Aren't you thankful for that? You cannot consider the mercy of God without considering this other word. The word is long-suffering. Look at Galatians chapter 5, if you would, this morning. Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5. I'm pretty sure that many of you already know this verse. You might even be able to quote it. I believe this is one of the passages that my mom helped me to memorize when I was little. The Bible says in Galatians 5, verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. What's the next word? You know what that word, it's, it's like the word patience because long-suffering is, are you ready for it? We don't have to go to the Greek for this. Long-suffering is suffering long, right? Like, like being married to someone for 23 years and sometimes they don't always handle things with the most logic. Can I get a witness, honey? Is that right? All right, like, like she's 23, by the way, I round up. I keep saying 23 years. You know what she keeps saying? We ain't there yet, baby. July 29th, quit rounding up. I'm like, what do, you, what do you know that I don't know? Would you suffer along with me a little bit longer? You know what long-suffering is? It's being able to put up with some things. Has God not put up with some things from us? Has God not? How many times are you going to go and go, God, I did it again, and he was long-suffering with you? And if you're a born-again child of God and you're walking in the Spirit, one of the fruits of your life will be this thing called patience. David says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, 
long-suffering. The first time the word long-suffering shows up, it's not about mankind. We're not long-suffering. We're kind of like, hey, let's move this thing. Let's go. Let's go. You know what the Lord's like? They haven't figured it out yet. Let's give them a little bit more time. I'm so thankful for that. He says, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. Who said that? Jesus Christ. You know, one of the the character qualities of Jesus Christ is long-suffering. So this morning, I want to add to your list of things that you're looking at. You've got some of your moms and dads and business owners and entrepreneurs and and you're maybe an employee of the city or whatever your job or occupation is. You are also, if you're a born-again child of God, you are a Christian. And as such, you should be adding these things to your life. I want to talk to you about why you should be adding this virtue to your list, the virtue of patience. Number one, can I say this? It proves you believe God's word. It proves you believe what God said. You know one of the problems that you have when you get impatient? It's your way of saying, I doubt what God said. When Jesus is being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, not going to read the entire passage, the Bible says, I love this, after 40 days, he was hungry. Afterward, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward, he was unhungered. I'm like, that's kind of an understatement. Some of you, 40 minutes are like, Some of you are like, when is this message going to be over? I'm hungry right now. And the Lord did for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. You see, what was he lacking? Provision. You know what he tells his disciples? When we enter into the kingdom, we'll drink that wine new, and we will break that bread again. You know what that is? It's a future event. But he was tempted before that future event. Think about this. And another temptation, the devil says, cast thyself down. For the angels will, 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 will bear charge, they will bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Do you realize when Jesus Christ comes back, one of the descriptions of the second coming, when he comes to establish his kingdom on the earth, you know what those descriptions is? When he comes with the holy angels to do that. You know what the devil does over and over and over to the Lord Jesus Christ in that temptation? He brings things to him that are rightfully his, but out of the wrong time. You know what the Lord has to do? He has to express some patience. The last temptation goes something like this. Bow down and worship me. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And you go, well, the Lord didn't get... Yeah, but think about this. He literally takes them up and he shows them ever. That's how powerful the devil is. He shows them all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, if you just... Just one moment of time. Listen, no one's going to judge you for this. Just, you're weak, you're tired, you're hungry. I can give you everything you want right now. All I need you to do is just bow down one time. Take one moment and you can have everything that you want. And the Lord said, you know what? It is written, it is written, it is written. And you know what he said in so many words? I would rather wait until my father gives me that kingdom than to take it out of time. You know, he had to express some patience. You know, when we get in a mess, when we get impatient, you know why you do that? Because you don't believe what God says. God says, I'll provide for you. You say, I'll charge it with interest. God says, hey, that's not necessarily the person that lines up with the description of what a godly man or a godly woman is. And you say, I'll take it. You say, why? Because I'm getting impatient. I don't want to die an old maid, right? All these things that people go through in life where they go, well, I just need it now. The Lord's like, I I told you I've got this. You say, what's the problem? Impatience. Why does Peter cut off a guy's ear in the garden? 
we got to move this thing along. We're going to have a brawl. I'm going to start it. Hmm. Cuts off a guy's ear. Say why? He didn't listen to what the Lord had to say. Adam and Eve are in the garden. You know the story. Why do you suppose they ate the fruit? You know what God said? I can give you life. I can give you knowledge, but not that way. If you want knowledge with me, it's going to come through a different route. And they said, but we want it now. You know that still small voice that speaks to you as a child of God and says, not now? You better learn to listen to that. Because when you don't, you know what you're proving? You don't believe what God said. Look, look if you would, with me in the book of Genesis. Go back to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 16. You know what patience proves in your life? That you believe what God says. It does. You know what patience will do for you? Secondly, it'll keep you from making really, really bad decisions. Genesis chapter number 16. I want you to look at the first word in this chapter. What's the first word in Genesis 16? You know, it tells you this is a narrative, and the framework for the narrative is time. And there's a story being told about a man's life, and and it's being told in sequence and telling you, here's where we're at now, because that's how stories are told. And the story is about a man named Abraham, and I want you to go back, if you would, to chapter number 12. Because you really can't understand chapter 16 without at least looking at chapter number 12. Look at the first word in chapter 12. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12. What's the first word in chapter 12? So so God starts, listen, if you know anything about your Bible, what happens is is God creates man and woman and puts them in this garden. And you know the story, they sin against God and they they lose that spiritual connection to God. Their their spirit is now dead, Ephesians 2, and and they're cast out of the garden. And then they have uh, those boys and Cain kills Abel. Then they have Seth and all that stuff. And then eventually the nations get together and they build this tower that goes up to heaven. They basically say so many words, God, pound sand, we don't need you. We can do this whole life thing without you basically 2023 we don't want your authority we'll figure it out on our own and god scatters them through the 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 means of babbling their language which is why it's called babylon and the tower of babel that's where it all comes from then in chapter 12 he kind of notices a certain man and he takes a liking to that man and he calls that man out and he gives that man a very particular promise twofold promise he tells them, I'm going to give you a certain piece of land. It's for you. It's for your children. It's not for the United Nations to say how it should be divided. It's not for America to say how it should be divided. It's for me to say who goes in that land. And that land belongs to Israel. And God told Abraham that thousands of years ago. You got people still fighting over that. If they open that book and believe that book, problem solved, right? So, so, so basically, God goes to Abraham. He goes, hey, I'm going to give you land. But, but guess what? It gets better than that. I'm going to give you children that are going to fill that land. Here's the problem. Abraham ain't got no kids. Problem number two is Abraham is not exactly a spring chicken. Look, if you would, at Genesis chapter 12. Look, if you would, at verse number two. I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Look down, if you would, at verse Number seven, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy what? He doesn't have any right now. He's he's got no kids. 
Well, what are you saying, Lord? What I'm saying is it's coming. Not now, but it's coming. Unto thy seed will I give this future tense, and there builded he an altar of the Lord who appeared unto him. God gives him this promise. He'll give you it at chapter number 13. The next word is and. Chapter 13, verse 1. He says, and Abram went up out of Egypt. You see what happens? They get into trouble. There's a famine. They go down into Egypt, uh, and, and, and Sarah gets a handmaid that, that they bring into the family. And in chapter 13, they go, they sojourn. They sojourn. They're just going to spend a little bit of time in Egypt, and they come out a little bit differently than when they left. Let me ask you a question. Did God make that promise to Abraham despite everything else? Is, going on? is that promise still true? Look, if you would, at verse 15 of chapter 13. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy what? Forever. Look if you would at verse 16, same chapter. And I will make thy what? As the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. You say, what's going on? In so many words, God is promising over and over and over and over, I'm going to give you children. I'm going to give you children. They're going to fill this land. I'm going to give you this promise of your seed. And he mentions it over and over and over. And yet Abraham's just doing what? He's waiting. No children yet. Chapter 14, won't read that chapter. It's a parenthetical chapter. Look at chapter number 15, if you would. And look if you would at the first word in chapter 15. You know what it is? After. After what? After waiting a long time. You know what God does? Look at verse, look, look, let me show you. Look at verse 2. Abram says to the Lord, what wilt thou give me seeing I go what? It's been years. Look at verse 3. Thou hast given me no seed. You know he's saying, Lord? You said you're going to do this, but I'm still waiting. Ever been there before? Lord, you said you're going to give this to me. I'm still waiting. Can I encourage you to do something? Keep waiting. Don't give up. And whatever you do, don't get ahead of God. Look at verse 5. And the Lord brought him forward, uh, forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said to them, So shall thy what? He says, Man, your seed's going to be like the stars in the sky, like the dust, the sand on the beach, on the coastline. You can't even number them. It's going to be so many kids from, from Lord, but for me, I have no kids. How can I? Lord's like, I got this. Just, just bear with me. It's coming. Look at verse number 13 in the same chapter. Verse 13. And he said to Abram, Know the surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. And he's like, man, I still, Lord's talking about this seed that's not even here and what's going to happen to them in the future, and I'm still waiting on it. Look at verse 18. In verse number 18, he says it one more time. Unto thy seed have I given this land. Skip over chapter 16. We'll come, come back to it. Look at verse, uh, chapter 17, and look, if you would, at verse number 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, in the original Hebrew, that means really, really old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the almighty God, walk before me, be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Well, Lord, how are you going to multiply me? Abram fell on his face and starts talking with God. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, three, and Abram fell on his face, and God taught with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many, what? How in the world is that going to happen? Look at verse six. I will make thee exceeding fruitful. I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Lord, I am 99 years 
old. You've been talking about this seed for decades now. I've got nothing. Lord, we've been praying for a building for four years now. Are you with me? Lord, I've been praying for that wayward child, and they're still not back. I've been praying for my marriage, and it's still not here. I've been doing this, and I've, I've been faithful. I'm counting on you. Lord, I believe what you said, but I'm just getting tired of waiting. So I, here's what I might do. I might take matters into my own hands. Look at chapter 16. Now, Sarah, verse 1, Abram's wife, bear him no what? And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, his name was Hagar. I'm going to spare you the trouble of reading everything. But let me just tell you what basically happens. Sarah gets tired of waiting, and she goes, here, take her. Do you know what that causes? Causes, listen to me, I'm not exaggerating, that causes global conflict in 2023. This took place almost 4,000 years ago. And we're still dealing with, you say, what was it? A couple of people that didn't want to wait on God. And they took matters in their own hands. And you know what they did? They made a terrible decision based on their impatience. Another story with Abram. Back in chapter 13, him and Lot have a little bit of a, a dispute. There's just... You know, it's, it's, there's not enough room in the town for the both of us kind of situation. And Abram tells Lot, Lot, you go whichever way you choose, it's yours. I'll go in the other direction. Lot's Abram's nephew. And you know what Lot does? He doesn't think about it. He doesn't pray about it. His impatience and his compulsiveness takes over and he goes, I want that land. How does that end up for Lot? Loses everything, including his wife and family. Why? I want it and I want it now. Got injured recently, as you can tell. Not a surprise, not a secret. And the doctor says, I'm sitting down. My wife's sitting across. Doctor's right here. And he says, are you an active person? I'm like, well, I mean, you know, I don't run marathons. My wife's like, yes. And then he's like, are you going to have a hard time slowing down? I was like, uh, she's like, yes. He's like, look, you're not going to get better unless you sit for at least X amount of days, elevate your foot, put ice on it, put this stupid boot on, you know, and look like a goober wherever you go. You need to slow down. And I said, yeah, I hear you, doc, but I got stuff to do. So you know what I did? I re-injured it. Why? Because I got stuff to do. I don't have time to slow down. Oh, I got all the time in the world now, though, don't I? You know, sometimes you make really dumb decisions because you're not willing to wait on the Lord. Look at Numbers chapter 20. Can I give you another example of something? Numbers chapter 20. We're almost done. Numbers 20. You know why you need to add the virtue of patience to your life? Because not applying it will keep you from God's best. When you don't apply patience, you'll get some things that you want, but it will keep you from God's best. Are you listening to me this morning? Here's a little story. There's a man named Moses, and God picks on this guy on the backside of the desert, and this guy's just minding his own business, taking care of sheep, and God goes, you, I want you. He uses a burning bush to get this guy's attention. The guy turns aside. Now, look, if, you're, if you've been living in the wilderness by yourself for years, talking to sheep, and the only thing you got is a, a piece of wood in your hand and sheep that you talk to, if a bush was on fire and there was no one for 100 miles around, and then the bush started talking to you, you'd probably pay attention as well. 
So, so Moses goes over and God says, I want you, I want you to be the redeemer. I want you to be the deliverer of my people to bring them out of bondage from Egypt. And Moses is like, no, Lord, you got the wrong guy. I can't do this, all that stuff. And eventually he submits to God's plan and he goes to Egypt. You know the story. Some of you know it because you watched uh, DreamWorks Prince of Egypt movie. I don't know, but, but it's in the Bible. And Moses comes out and he brings him out. And you know what happens after trials and tempta- temptations and dealing? with the people over and over and over. Moses gets impatient with the people that he's dealing with. And one day God says, hey Moses, uh, one time I told you I want you to go and I want you to hit the rock and you're going to see this water come out of the rock. Right? Can you imagine all the kids there? That would have been great. Kids would be like, oh water, you know, they're thirsty, they're hungry, they're, they're in the wilderness in the desert. This water is pouring out. And, and Moses remembers that miracle, but there comes another time where the Lord says, I want you to take your rod like last time, but I don't want you to hit the rock. I want you to, <laughs> I want you to go up to the rock, and I want you to talk to the rock. <laughs> like, I don't know. How would you prepare for that? Like, I'm putting together my speech for the rock. Okay, so I know you've been here a long time, and you've never done this before, but I have faith in you. Open up. I mean, like, what would you say? And, and, and you know what Moses does? The people are there. He looks, after God gives him that instruction, he looks at the people, he looks at them complaining. He goes, bunch of punks. <laughs> you say, well, that's not in the Bible. It's in there somewhere, right? Just look. <laughs> Must we fetch you water out of this rock, ye rebels? Bam! And the water comes out. And then, boy, he feels good in that moment. You ever had those moments? You told them. <laughs> felt good, didn't it? felt invigorated, like, I've got them, like, mm, you know, the longer you're married to someone, the more you know what buttons to push, can I get a witness, well, I got, I got them, you know, the longer you go to church with someone, the more you know, the, I got them, and you just zing them real good, it feels good in that moment, I hit the rock, bam, and shortly thereafter, it's almost like once that blood comes down, he's no longer red in the face, it's almost like something inside him goes, I got impatient, didn't I, and the Lord goes, yeah, buddy, you did, you know what God does? He takes Moses to Mount Pisgah and he looks over into the promised land and God tells him, you're going to look, but you ain't going in. Well, why, Lord? You know that incident back there where you got a little impatient with me and with the people? It's going to cost you. Well, Lord, I, I, you mean I just dedicated the last several decades of my life to bringing these people in this land and I can't go in? Moses, I love you, and I want what's best for you, but you just limited what's best for you by what you did. See, sometimes we blame God for our decisions. Every, 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 every action has a, another reaction to it. You understand that in life. And when you become impatient with what God has told you is right and the right actions to take, and you take matters in your own hands, and then you say, you know what, I'm just tired of these people, really what your problem is is you're not listening to God. Because for every time that you're just tired of these people, whether it's your spouse or your children or the people at work or the people at church or anywhere else in your life, you know what the real issue is? The real issue is your relationship with God. When someone comes to me, a married couple comes to me and they go, you know what, we're having this problem. You know the first thing I say? Are you reading your Bible? Why does that have anything to do with anything? Because if your relationship with God is not where it ought to be, I'm going to be blowing hot air into the room. I cannot help you if you don't align that first. So, so Moses goes, I can't believe I'm this close. <laughs> this close. I'm, I'm so close to the promised land. 
and yet I'll never get to go in. Now, for those of you that are students of the Bible, you know Moses eventually does go in. He preaches there in Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 11 in the future. But in his lifetime, he never gets to go in. You say, what was that? That was God's best for him. You say, what did Moses do? He got impatient. Sometimes we allow our impatience for others to keep us from God's best for our own lives. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you're saved this morning, God did not just save you for the purpose of saving you, and then that's the end of it. God saved you so you could help other people. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. That's how you got saved, for by grace you saved through faith. And you know what God said? Okay, now you got it, now you need to pass it on. Can I, can I give you a little bit of advice that I've learned sometimes the hard way? It takes patience to reach other people. And you know I need to add the virtue of patience to your list? Because you need this if you want to help other people. Have you ever watched a, 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 a dad try to give his son instructions on how to use a tool a certain way? And after a while, you ever had that, that, that impulsive nature as a dad to go, let me just do it, I can do it quick, I can do it better. But you want to impart that knowledge unto them. You know what it takes? It takes patience to do that. Uh, listen, parenting takes patience. Ministering takes patience. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Look, if you would, at verse 6. By pureness, by knowledge, by what? Long-suffering. By kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love and fame, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right hand, on the left, so on and so on. You go, what is he talking about? He's talk- Look at verse number one. He's talking about working alongside of the Lord and allowing God to work in our lives for the purpose of what? Back in chapter 5, he talks about the ministry of reconciliation, being an ambassador of Jesus Christ to this world. And then he goes into, here's what it's going to take. You know what it takes? Long-suffering. Patience. You want to reach others? You may go, I don't care to reach anybody. You will want that when you, reach, when you see Jesus one day. You'll wish you had had a different mindset about it. Discipleship takes patience. Ministry takes patience. Forgiveness takes patience. Relationships take patience. Your walk with God takes patience. Brother Tim, I hope you don't mind me sharing a story or, as preachers say, stealing an illustration. But he's telling me about a, a well-known uh, missionary in Thailand. He was an, uh, an Aussie uh, by birth named Wayne Shemish. And I've never met the man. I've heard nothing but good about him. Uh, I've heard some of his messages, outstanding stuff. But uh, very, very, he's not, I'll say it like this. He's a very slow, methodical type of, of deliverer of messages. He's not a fiery, but it will blow your mind away when you sit and listen to someone like that, what it does to your heart. I've listened to some of his messages just break me down. And, and I heard that this through Brother Tim. He told this story at this meeting that they were at in Montana about this missionary that for decades labored among these people in Thailand. Decades. Years of his life trying to reach these people with the gospel. And they didn't listen. Can you imagine leaving the comforts of home 
selling what you have, maybe quitting your business, whatever it might be, and going, you know what? I'm going to follow God's calling in my life, and I'm going to go overseas. I will miss Christmas. I will miss Thanksgiving. I'll miss kids' birthdays. I'll miss the grandchildren being born. I'll give all that up to go serve God in a country that I don't know, with a language that I don't know, to reach people that I don't know. He starts laboring among them and preaching the gospel to them and I'd like, to, I'd like to tell you that, oh, they all got saved when he was there. It's not how it worked. Fast forward to Brother Wayne Shemish getting to Thailand, and one day someone knocks on his door. And, he's, and Brother Shemish goes to the door, and the man just says, are you the missionary? Yeah. Now let me tell you something. When someone goes, are you Adrian Dominguez? You know what my answer is? Unless you're the IRS, yes. <laughs> I don't know who you are. Why are you asking me who I am, you know? And so this guy knocks on the door and goes, are, are you the missionary? He goes, yeah. What must I do to be saved? Wouldn't you like someone to knock on your door and ask you that? He leads the man to Christ. A week later, opens that door. Another stranger there. Are you the missionary? Lord Shams is like, yes. What must I do to be saved? This happens five weeks in a row. Finally, Brother Shamus is like, what is going on? You know what? You know what? Every time he asked him, he'd say, hey, like, what's the deal? Who told you? Who told you to come see me? And they would all re- recite this certain man's name. And he said, can you show me this man? So finally, at that last time, that man goes, sure, we'll go see this man. So he leads Brother Shemesh to a graveyard. And he goes, this is the missionary that tried to tell us about Jesus. And we didn't listen. And he said, someday, on his, dying, on his dying bed, he told him this story. He said, someday another man's going to come and bring the gospel, listen to him. Brother Shemesh was that other man. Question, was the first missionary's life a waste? Can I ask you another question? Do you think he ever felt it was? Sometimes, because you can't see it, doesn't mean it's not coming. You want to you help people? It's going to take patience. I see Christians all the time who they get saved and they don't really grow beyond where they're at. And part of it's an unwillingness to apply patience. You know why? Because patience is the vehicle that God uses to bring you to maturity. When you get saved... You have not arrived yet. By the way, I've been saved for 20-some years, almost 30 years now. I have not arrived yet. You know what Paul the Apostle says? I have not yet apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling God, which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, I'm not there yet, but I want to keep pressing toward that mark. And that mark is not a church or, a, or some other human being. It's Jesus Christ himself. I want to move toward that. The author of Hebrews tells us to run the race with patience. We have heard of the patience of Job. See what happened to Job? He lost everything. Can I ask you a question? Do you think Job was different after all those trials? Do you think if someone had just sat Job down and said, Job, let me tell you a story about patience. Let me tell you about this man that lost everything, and and then Job just goes, light bulb, I got it all. No, you see, Job had to go through it. And after he went through it on the other side, Job was a different, he was complete, he was mature. If you want to advance 
in the Christian life, do you know what it takes? Patience. Yesterday, Bella ran a 5K? 5K. And she won in her age category. I was, I was like, that's awesome. Man. Good, good job. But you know what it took before that? A lot of running. You don't just show up to the race and go, here we are. You know, like, you laugh about that. None of you would sign up for a race and be like, I'm going to go run a 26 point. I love the, you ever seen the stickers? 26.2, you ever seen those? The 13.1, you know what my favorite is, Sean? The 0.0. <laughs> That's me, right? Like, I can do that one, especially right now. But you don't just sign up for a race and go, all right, I've been eating do- ding, you know, ho-hos and ding-dongs and, and Twinkies and I have not run a day in my life. Let's go do this thing. That's not how that works. You prepare for that. And yet, when it comes to the Christian life, here's what some Christians do. They don't do any preparation all week long. They come to church, sit down, and go, preacher, bless me if you can. Can I tell you, God wants to bring you beyond where you're at, but it takes some maturity. I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of tired. I'm tired of waiting. I'm, I'm tired of waiting for the Lord to come back. I'd like him to come back today. And I say that often. I say, God, why not? Why not now? Let's go. Let's do this. And, and then, then someone else gets saved. And I'm like, okay, all right. Well, thank you, Lord, for allowing us this window of opportunity, right? And, and then the next week, someone else gets saved. And then, then Garrett gets saved. And I, I praise God for that. And then after a while, I realize, you know what, Lord? I'm going to wait until your time. As much as I want this, you are growing me up in the meantime. We live in a day and age where you just hit buttons and things show up at your house. And we want God to be that way. It takes time. I'm going to tell you one thing. If there's one thing I can give you before we close this out, I would say this. There is coming a time when time shall be no more. And if you're not saved, there's only one thing I can tell you on this planet that I would absolutely never wait for because it's already been taken care of. That's you getting saved. You know what the Bible says? Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. There are some things in life that are, are absolutely worth, that you need to be patient with, that you need, to, you need to slow down in. But when it comes to your salvation, if you're a born-again child of God, you know what you would say to anyone that's lost asking about this? You would say, if you're in your right mind, get saved today. Don't put that off. Don't risk your soul. Jesus says, what shall a prophet man gain the whole, world, the whole world and lose his own soul? I'm thankful to be, you know, have a successful business and all that stuff, but I'm around business people and some of them at, at executive levels who have everything that you would think that you would need and want in life, and yet they're empty. You know what it is? They don't know God. You can have that through Jesus Christ. But can I tell you, there was a man who kept saying, I'm just going to keep building bigger barns. I'll wait to get right with God later. You know what happened one time? One night, eventually, his last breath was taken. And you know what the Lord said to him? Thou fool. Thou fool. This night, thy soul shall be required of thee. Can I tell you, that's not something you wait on. That's a today kind of thing. If you're not saved, you know what we invite you to do? We invite you to get saved today. Christian, can I remind you? That Jesus Christ left the splendors of heaven, came down, and was tested and tried and tested and tried and tested and tried all the way unto death and then was buried. He does not take the power and say, all power is mine until after the trial and after the testing. Are you getting that? You see, a lot of Christians, I want the power and I want, I want God to use me and I want this to go right in my life. And it's going to take some patience. It's going to take some patience. 
Let's add it to our list. Let's all stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you this morning thanking you, Lord, for Mother's Day and for all that it means. And but Lord, I do pray that we do business. We wouldn't just leave this place with business unsettled and undone. Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, please minister to your people as only you can. Lord, we're thankful for the patience of mothers. Lord, the reality is we all need a little more patience. We don't always want it. Lord, I just pray that we would, as your people, learn to pray for grace, to learn it the right way. Lord, to, to be able to help others. Lord, to be able to bring you glory. Lord, to, to be mature, to grow up. Lord, I'm thankful you don't give us everything we want right when we ask it. There's so many things we would never learn. Lord, I just pray that you, before we close and before we have our baptismal service with these two young men, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just rush off to the next thing and be so busy and so inconsiderate, Lord, of what you laid at our feet today. Lord, help us be patient with our tongues and patient with our hearts and patient with our minds and patient with our children and patient with our spouses and patient with you and, Lord, honestly, patient with ourselves to allow you room to work. Christian, I don't know where you're at, but I'll tell you this much. I don't care where you're at. You maybe just got saved a week ago or you got saved 20 years ago. You're going to need more patience in your life to finish this thing the right way. It's not easy. Let me tell you something. It's a whole lot harder dying without hope and without God, but living the Christian life the right way, it takes some character. It's like running a race. You don't just get up and do it. It takes some time to figure it out. What I want to encourage you to do, Christians, is this. Ask the Lord to give you grace to help you to slow down when you need to slow down. We want God to work now. Sometimes... God's working when you can't see it. And that thing you're praying for that you maybe said, I'm done praying for it, maybe start praying again. Maybe believe what God said. Don't doubt him. He's never been wrong. He's, he's got a great batting average. <laughs> he's always been right. Sometimes people get saved. And we want them to hurry up and mature and grow up and be just like us. The Christian, listen, our job as a church is not to make people like us. Our job is to point people to Jesus so they can become like him. And I got news for you. That takes time. Here's Jesus walking, living, breathing with his disciples, eating meals with them, sleeping out under the stars with them. I mean, working with, catching fish with them, all of it. And after all those years of being with them, they walk into a town where the people didn't want Jesus there. And James and John say, should we ask God to send down fire and kill them all? <laughs> you know what the Lord said? You know not what manner of spirit you're of. Like, man, slow down. That's not me. I don't respond in a fit of rage and fury and fly off the handle. Does the Lord have wrath? Absolutely. But man, it is not out of control. You know why? He is long-suffering. You know why you're breathing right now? He's long-suffering. You know why you got a church? He's long-suffering. You know why you have the Bible? He's long. You know why I got the Holy Spirit inside of you when we don't deserve him? He is long-suffering. 
With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask this question. If you're here and you are a born-again child of God, would you give that testimony simply by raising your hand and saying, yep, I am saved, I know I'm saved. That's a lot of hands. Great. Praise God. It's good. Let me just say this. If you don't know, man, the gospel is so simple. Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again the third day according to scriptures. We know outside of the Bible, no story has had so much impact around the world as this one. And it's a story which whose message resonates whether you are in Africa or Asia or Europe or the East or the West. It does not matter what hemisphere you find yourself in. We are all sinners in need of the grace of God. And He does not give it to us because we deserve it. He gives it to us because we don't deserve it. All you have to do is be willing to humble yourself and say, Lord, I want that gift. I receive it by faith. I know Jesus died for me. I know he was buried for me. I know he rose again from the dead for me. Lord, I ask you to save me. I'm not going to count on my church. I'm not going to count on my own righteousness, my own good deeds. For by works of righteousness, there's no way. We have not, we have not been redeemed by our own good works. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. If you've never been saved, can I ask you before you leave today, find someone that can open the Bible. I'd love to show you from the scriptures. Ten minutes or less, cost you nothing, how you can be born again. What a blessing. Don't leave. Don't, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. You say, well, that's kind of, is that beneath you? Not at all. I'll beg you. <laughs> I'll say, don't, don't, don't risk your soul, your eternal soul, because of pride. Don't let that stand in the way. And don't let the thought of maybe tomorrow. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Of all the things I'm telling everyone to wait on, this is the one thing you should not wait on. I'd encourage you, if you're here and you've never been saved, Every head bowed and red closed. Is there anyone here to be honest enough and sincere and genuine enough to go, you know what, I'm not sure I am saved. I, I'm not sure if I am. I've never, I don't know if I've ever been born again. I'm, I've been religious. I believe in God. I try to do the right thing. But I'm not sure if I'm saved. With no one looking around, would you be willing to just at least slip up your hand? I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to drag you down here, but I'd like to pray for you. Is there anybody here like that? What a great day to get saved, right? To be born again, the day we acknowledge the blessing of our first birth, right? Can't think of a better day. You know what? I always tell people, I can't think of a better day than today to get saved. <laughs> I encourage you to do that if you're not. understand people have places to go and things to do it's mother's day we are going to have two young men get baptized so if you have to leave right now no judgment we understand but for those that would like to stay bro james if you come on up all right jared and justin let's go get changed are they already out of here